All right, guys, here we go, Nord East Podcast. We have an amazing sports cast. We lay to rest the Minnesota Vikings season. We talk about the disappointment at the start of this Timberwolves season. We break down the Premier League. Here we go, Nord East Podcast. And here we go, Nordy's podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Super. You? You know, I'm doing all right, even though our Minnesota Vikings season officially comes to an end with the worst possible record you can have, 7-9. and nine. It's a very Minnesota record, though. It is. It's so, so Minnesota to be 7-9. and nine. But what can you do? The season is over. The playoffs are just going to start next week, which is always exciting. An extra team added, but we'll talk more NFL in a little bit. Before we dive into some sports, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nord East Podcast. Also, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast from and get the Nord East Podcast and every week. Thank you. It's our first episode of 2021, so please spread the word about the Nord East Podcast and enjoy all of 2021. Uh, completely free. The Nordies podcast can pr- completely free to you guys all year. Please give us that uh, five star review if you can. Please. I love. I was review. reading some the other day, and I posted some to the podcast. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I loved it. Dude, there are some hilarious reviews in there, and some very sweet, genuine reviews, but some fucking banger, hilarious ones too. Yeah. So thank you guys for doing that. We really appreciate the time you spend. Um, doing that and we do read them and they do mean a lot so thank you guys um all right we're all drinking some different beers uh what are you guys having for this episode all right i'm drinking um thesis pieces which is a peanut butter blonde ale from thesis uh beer project and that's in rochester which now that covid's maybe going to be over sometime in 2021 we are going to get to rochester for a beer field trip because there is a ton of good beer there, um, like four or five really solid breweries. So, um, yeah, man, this is uh, from them as a gift. We appreciate it. Thank you, Thesis. Thank you, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's like it's like the first time I ever had a coffee beer that was an ale, that wasn't a stout. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's good. It's really good. I'm going to have one on a later episode this week, so I will let you know. Until then, I'm just drinking Fair State's. Um, party forward, which is uh, very readily available for everyone, and uh, I'm going to try to um, move forward and party for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Perfect, thank you. Right on. Um, yeah, for me, I you know we're still social distancing, so um, I'm back with my favorite brewery again, trying to keep them going. Uh, this is Wild Mind, but this beer is kind of a a cool collaboration. Um, with a group or a company, however you want to phrase it, called Mission 22. Um, it's brewed with uh, the, the help of Mission 22, who provides treatment programs to veterans dealing with post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, and other issues they face. So a portion of the proceeds for uh, this beer goes towards that cause. So I thought it was uh, uh, an easy one to purchase. It's a, it's a hazy pale ale, and it's actually really, really good. I enjoy it a lot. That's great. All right, guys, we have a warm-up question. Jim, what's our warm-up question of the day? All right. The warm-up question is, which types of jerseys are appropriate and acceptable to wear in public? Which one is the best and which one can you not touch? You just can't pull it off. Um, I think I'm going to lead with Ryan on this one, and then we're going to go to Eric. Um, so I really think... Soccer jerseys are the ones that are the most wearable. Um, a lot of them are in the uh, like you know the cut of the t-shirt. Not Arsenal's jerseys from like three years ago because those were too tight for anybody to wear. Um, but a lot of them are you know even some of them even have collars, so they almost look a little rugby-ish. Um, I think those are very wearable um, in public more so than an NFL jersey. Um, I think I think the most unacceptable one for people our age, especially mine, since I'm significantly older than both of you, 
um, is a basketball jersey. Um, you can't wear it solo. You, you're going to have to wear something underneath it. And yes. if you wear it over a hoodie, I think that's the most acceptable way to wear it, um, especially as a winter sport or a mostly winter sport, fall, winter, spring. Um, but like if you just go t- like white T-shirt and basketball jersey and some cargo shorts, like, come on. Like that's that's the worst look possible. It's tough. In, the in jerseys opinion. are very long. And, you know, you throw more over a hoodie. Boy, you've never looked bulkier. Then when you've thrown yeah. a fucking jersey over a hoodie, it's not a good look. But I feel you. Yeah. Well, but like you know, it's winter time, so like uh, you know that, that that sort of comes with the territory. I would yeah. say that it's a little bit more acceptable. Um, but I think baseball jerseys are abhorrent. Like I've seen people wear them like tucked into their jeans. Wow. Like it's a like it's a polo. Um, you know, football jerseys especially if you're wearing like an authentic one, like if you get like an authentic Jersey and you wear it, that thing is built to have shoulder pads over it. So it looks humongous. Yeah. It's not, it's not wearable. So I don't know of, of all those. I think, I think it's soccer is the most acceptable and basketball is the least acceptable. I think Beautiful. the least acceptable is baseball. No one has ever looked cool wearing a baseball Jersey. No one has ever looked in shape wearing a baseball Jersey. No one has ever looked not single wearing a baseball jersey. <laughs> it's a terrible look no matter who you are. You could be – there's no acceptable way to wear, especially a pinstriped baseball jersey. It's just terrible. Basketball is tough. Um, most people's bodies are not uh, long, lean, muscular enough to look cool wearing a basketball jersey. Um, Football is tough because, like you said, it's not meant for anything but wearing over shoulder pads, uh, and they're kind of silly in their design. Uh, coming in second for me is is probably hockey. Like it's definitely oh, yeah. a look, but you could throw on like a hockey sweater, and you know it's a good way to mix up the wardrobe, I guess. But soccer easily, you know, you can wear it any way you want. You can wear it underneath something. It's it's a great layered look. Soccer's got it nailed when it comes to. I mean, it does. It's a, it's a, it's like a nice cut shirt is really what it is, and it's usually breathable. Here's there was like about 15 years ago to a younger, more ignorant gym. Say I'm 21 years old, and I see a dude in any kind of a soccer kit, I would instantly be like, nerd. That shit. Unless, unless they looked like they could be exotic, or they're they got maybe like a a different complexion or a cool accent. And then I'm like, this person's interesting. They're probably into lots of cool shit I don't know about. But if you just see a plain Jane white dude rocking a kit, I would always be like, yeah, I probably wouldn't get along with them. But as I've grown as a person, I've got into more things and broadened my horizons. Now I say, oh, interesting. Interesting. They support this team or that team. So I'm definitely more into it. And I have many of them. And that's the right answer. And you look great in them. <laughs> Thank you. I have... I have a few. They're fun to collect. I think I think soccer is the only one that makes people look less fat. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. All the other ones make you look more fat. <laughs> unless you're unless you're wearing the whites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Moving on, we'll move on to the Minnesota Vikings. They played their week 17 meaningless game against an absolutely despicably bad. Detroit Lions team who I don't even know who is coaching their team over the last few weeks. Their coaching staff all got COVID in week 16. It was, they were a complete joke. Um, the Vikings end up winning the game 37 to 35 in a game that both teams looked like they were trying to lose. The Vikings drop about four spots, four to five spots in um, the draft down to the 14th pick in the draft now. So it was great to have a competitive game, but it might've been better if we would have finished six and 10 and drafted 10, but can't worry about that now. Seven and nine is the final record uh, for the team, which is absolutely terrible. It's the worst place to be in no man's land. Um, But there was some really good news too. Um, Justin Jefferson uh, stakes his claim for rookie of the year uh, with 1400 yards, which is the most all time for a rookie in the Super Bowl era. He had 88 catches, which I believe was 15 off of the record. And he only had seven touchdowns, which is not always a great marker of a great receiver, but that was 10 off of Randy Moss's record of 17. So one of, I mean, we'll say at least one of the five best rookie seasons 
by a receiver of all time. I mean, that's really saying something. That's really special, considering he was the fifth wide receiver taken in the 2020 draft. We finally got a guy with a chip on his shoulder that actually used that to the best of his ability. Yeah. I do think uh, it was also another great showing for Kirk Cousins, who had threw for 405 yards against the worst defense in the league. Um, but Cousins ended the year with a career-high 35 touchdown passes, which will put him, I believe, in the top six for quarterbacks. Um, over 4,200 yards. Uh, he missed zero games again this year. I don't think he's missed a single game since he's been here in Minnesota. Um, has he missed? Has he even missed a snap due to injury? I don't think due to injury. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Crazy. An absolute Iron Man out there, especially considering how many times he gets hit. Um, it just is, it's funny. I know we've talked about this a lot. There's a lot to not like about Cousins and maybe it's his like, his like, um, love for Creed. Yeah. Creed mega. <laughs> no mask. I'm, if I die, I die. I mean, there's a lot. Will you sing the song again, Jim? Which, what the Creed song? No, what did he sing at the talent show? Did I do some kind of impression? Yeah, he did. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no, I can't. No, I can't. You need to go back into the backlog for that. That was a one-time only. But, I mean, there's not a lot to not like about about Cousins, if we're being honest. I mean, he's kind of a doofus. But I just don't understand how we can have a guy who finishes the season second in yards from scrimmage, um, second in touchdowns. Uh, We have a guy who sets the rookie record. We had another receiver with 14 touchdowns. We watched Irv Smith have a mini breakout. The offense is in the top five in the NFL, but everyone wants to get rid of Cousins. And I just don't think it can go both ways. Like we have to admit, part of the reason that Cook and Jefferson and Thielen and Smith and the offense in general had a great season is because Kirk Cousins is out there dishing the ball all over the field. And so, yeah. so let me so let me ask you that question in that same vein before we we move on. Are you happy with Kubiak then, and what he's done, and Clint, Gary's son, have done in in terms of organizing the offense? Yes, very very much so. The offense was not the problem this year, and that was the that was one of our worries coming in. Is like, oh great, uh, a Super Bowl winning coach from the '90s is going to recycle his offense from then, and we're going to get that. I think what he showed is that you can play old school football in the running game. I mean, with some new school wrinkles and still have a really fun modern passing game. I, I mean, there's just nothing we should be able to complain about other than like Dakota Dozier and, you know, some inconsistent pass protection from the offensive line. The offense was great all year. They were one of the best offenses in the league. They could go toe to toe with anybody. And for all the things that we were frustrated about, most of the other teams were more frustrated about those things with their team. So the offense was really good, and there's just no way around it. You can't be like, oh, my gosh, Jefferson's the best, Cook's the best, Thielen's the best, Irv's the best, Conklin's the best, BB, BC, you name it. Our offense is awesome, and Kirk sucks. Get rid of him. Well, how can we get rid of Kirk? You know, it's just it can't go both ways, Minnesota. So I think we have to give credit where it's due. Kubiak had a really nice year. Clint had a nice year. Um, and then obviously Kirk and company were really good and they were really fun to watch. Even with losing nine games, having a losing record at home, this Vikings team was really exciting to watch. And even in a meaningless game, the offense marched up and on, ran the ball well, passed the ball all over them and was, uh, you know, a threat from start to finish. And so I feel great about the offense. I think other than maybe adding a piece to the offensive line, um, they should be pretty set for next year. Quick question. So when you look at like, you know, performance or output or numbers, you have two factors, right? You have talent and situation, right? Mm-hmm. How many teams do you think that Jefferson could have come in and had these kind of numbers on? I mean, not every team, right? There's teams that, that don't throw well. There's teams that there's already too many good receivers and he wouldn't have got the shot. I mean, it's a pretty special situation that he was in too. I think that Jefferson would be really good on Every team, twenty-nine to thirty teams. You know, like okay. who could like have like a professional quarterback out there um, would do fine with him, just because he's such a nice route runner. He's tough. He can go deep. He, you know, wins contested balls. He can be in the slot. He can be on the outside. But you're right. I mean, I don't think fourteen hundred yards, eighty-eight catches, seven touchdowns happens everywhere. It's probably twelve teams that that kind of thing would happen. 
Um, but it was nice because he got to be in a system where Thielen is still a big time receiver for him. He got to be on a team that runs the ball more than anybody else in the league. He got to be on a team that does have a quarterback who is really good at throwing the ball downfield and, you know, pushing it into that intermediate area as well. And so I think situation and talent really met up here. And I mean, I'm hoping this is just the beginning. Jefferson looks to be a Hall of Fame player, but obviously he's got to do this for another decade before we can really start talking about that. Mm-hmm. But what a what an amazing year. He's so fun to watch. I mean, he was probably 92% of Stefan Diggs this year at, at one-fourth of the cost. Yeah. I mean, that's he, – he, And one-hundredth one of the headache. Exactly. Yeah. And and from what it sounds like, he is not a headache. He's not a diva. He's, he's competitive, but he is a good guy, and he's a hard worker, and he doesn't want to rock the boat. He just wants to go out there and get better and kick ass. So a lot of fun. They, 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 the, the media tried to conjure up one with him, like, you know, that whole throw the ball, Kirk, like yeah. soundbite. Um, find me a single – receiver on like the NFL films audio that hasn't screamed at their quarterback from downfield when they thought they were open. And I will show you a leprechaun holding a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like it's just, it just doesn't work that way. Receivers are a, they're the biggest divas on the team um, because they always think they're open. And they're also the most vocal because they always think they're open. So like th- that stuff happens. I would, sh- I would imagine like game in and game out unless you're winning, you know, 48 to nothing. So, yeah, I, I, Je- Jefferson's attitude seems like the best of a wide receiver we've seen in a long time, which is humble, knows he's got talent, but knows there's still a long way to go. Like, he's like, we're, we're, we're only halfway up the mountain. You know, we still have a long way to go, and it's going to be the hardest part coming up. So I, I really appreciate the way he takes – like, he approaches uh, each and every week. Well, even Diggs, even Diggs is cheering for him, which I love. You know, I, I still support Diggs. I think he's I, – I'm so happy he's having a great season. It's all good. Um, and he's like, who should win Rookie of the Year? Jefferson, obviously. You know, he's he's right there all for him. So. I like Diggs because Diggs went to the AFC to a team that I don't mind. And he is – he got us a first-round pick, saved us $9 million, and gave us 21-year-old Justin Jefferson. So it's beautiful. It's not going to win-win. After it was a win for Diggs, it was a win for the Bills, it was a win for the Vikings, it was a win for Justin Jefferson. It's one of those rare trades where it just went well for everybody. I love it. We'd do it again, and so would the Bills. Sweet. Yeah. All right, so the other thing is the defense was an absolute disaster this year. Um, There should be some pressure on the D staff. Um, uh, David – is his name Davidson? Davidson? The – co-coordinator i can't think of his name the the d-line coach and then uh um zimmer's son are the two uh d coordinators someone's gonna kill me for not thinking of what the guy's name is but the long clint clint zimmer clint kubiak and clint zimmer i'm trying to think of the other guy i can't think of his name but uh he's he's a very famous d-line coach who's been there forever and i just can't think of andre patterson andre patterson thank you i wasn't even close Patterson and Zimmer are the two guys running the defense, but obviously Mike Zimmer is running the defense um, more than anyone. Now, I do think that we should point the finger at um, a couple different places. One, Spielman and his ability to build the defense. Um, We were up against the cap, and we uh, allowed our top three corners to leave. Uh, We left it in the hands of a bunch of guys who were under 24 years old. Uh, And Mike Hughes, Holton Hill – Cam Dantzler, Harrison Hand, Jeff Gladney, and then a bunch of guys we picked up off of practice squads. Uh, We were rough at cornerback, to say the least, this year. Um, We gave big money to Anthony Harris after one good year. Um, He only got a a franchise tag extension, but he made a lot of money to be pretty average this year. Harrison Smith's getting up there in age. Lots of money spent on a guy like Anthony Barr, who can't stay healthy. And then your big free agent signing, Pierce, is out for the year as he opted out because of COVID. So uh, between Zimmer, Spielman, COVID, and the injury bug, the defense completely crumbled. You were missing Daniil Hunter for the entire year. You were missing Michael Pierce. You missed Kendricks for a lot of the year. You missed Barr for 15 games. You missed Eric Wilson for many games. You missed Colton Hill, and then they cut him after being injured. You lost Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick a few years ago. 
this defense was running on fumes. Um, today, I, I don't even know some of the guys that were playing big minutes for us. Uh, Yardborough, uh, Mata Afa, and DJ Wanham, who's a rookie, uh, you know, all playing big minutes on this team. And that was an issue. Well, we knew about, Hercules, we knew about Hercules because he was a pick from two years ago, and we thought he was making some noise in training camp. So he was the, he was the one I – but then when I saw Troy Dye playing linebacker without gloves on, I was I was shocked. I, I have no idea. I've never – it's like a guy in Major League Baseball not wearing batting gloves. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you not wearing gloves? It, it, it protects your hands. It's so much easier to catch a ball with gloves on. Um, and this right. guy's playing – he wanted a feel for the game. It's called feel for the game. Okay. <sighs> anyway, but yeah, it was, uh, like Eric said, it was a lot of, it was basically looked like our practice squad out there playing against the Detroit Lions. And luckily they were, tra- they were definitely uh, trying to be competitive, but they also weren't like going for it as well. So you're going to have to say goodbye to some players here. The cap is going to drop somewhere between 15 and $30 million. We're already up against it with the cap. So here are some guys I'm confident you have seen the last of. Uh, Riley Reef, left half. He's been average. He makes a lot of money. He's going to be gone. Kyle Rudolph, a true uh, servant to the team, a guy who has done great work in the community. He's been a great Viking. He's probably the best tight end in Minnesota history. Um, it's been awesome, but it's, I think his time here is done. This is, this is one of those, uh, that's one of those, like, that's a solely business decision. There's yep. nothing to do with Kyle production, what he's done for the club. It's just the numbers, man. Sorry. At the end of his career. And if, unless he wants to take a major pay cut, um, I think Irv and Conklin looked really good down the stretch. I just don't think there's a spot for him. Uh, wish him well. He's been a great Viking um, but yeah, I think it's about it for him. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Shamar Stefan, who they gave a big free agent uh, contract to a few years ago, is going to be gone. He's been trash. They're going to get rid of, I believe, Anthony Barr. I think that his time here is done. He's making a fortune. He's like one of the top 75 highest paid players in the league. He, Not worth it. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going to guess Mike Hughes is going to get cut after his third year after first round pick. Can't imagine him back. And then Anthony Harris is for sure gone at safety. He's a free agent. They will not re-sign him. He was not good this year. Uh, and then Dan Bailey's got to be gone after just shanking kicks left and right. So um, I'm, I'm again. I, I said this in text to you guys. I'm I'm surprised he's still on the roster. Like I was, I'm surprised that they didn't cut him. I know that there's cap implications, and they'll do it in the new fiscal year. But like, I'm surprised that the team was even like, yeah, you can ride the plane home with us. I think the problem is, is there's like 20 guys who can kick and there's like at, at all times, there's like 10 to 15 teams looking for a new kicker and yeah. there aren't any. And so I think yeah. that like they would have loved to have cut him, but they were like, Hmm, we could have this guy who's never played in the NFL and literally can, can't make it from over 45 yards consistently. But you know, it's just like, there just aren't enough guys to go around. I heard that. I heard that kicker for Oakland's pretty good. Yeah. That's that one stings. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. I think those guys are gone. Um, and then just, you know, we'll get into this in throughout the offseason, but I would say um, places they need to strengthen. Uh, guard, obviously, they need to bring in at least one guy to play guard for us. That's been a theme over the years. Um, you're going to need to bring in like a three-tech and maybe another pass rusher on the D-line, and you're going to need to bring in a safety for sure. So in the draft where we have a lot of picks, we have the 14th pick. We don't have a second-round pick because we – Stupidly traded away for Ngakwe, but we have two third-round picks, four fourth or three fourth-round picks, and three fifth-round picks. So a lot of picks in the draft, a lot of mid-round picks, a lot of ammo to move around the draft. I would look for them to bring in an offensive lineman, uh, at least one defensive lineman, and uh, safety for sure. Exciting stuff. Yeah, right, guys, um, that's it for our our uh, Vikings talk. Um, we'll catch you guys up on the playoffs over the next few weeks. But is there a team? that you guys are going to be supporting throughout the playoffs? Hmm. Yeah, I got one. Okay. The Browns. Why not? Let's go. Let's go. Browns. That's my team. I mean, you got to, as a Vikings, as a Minnesota sports fan, I feel for a city like Cleveland. And when LeBron won the championship there with the Cavs, I was very excited. And they were, you know, obviously going against the Warriors, so that helped. But I think it's the same thing. I'm going to apply that logic here. 
I'm going to root for the Browns. Um, we'll see how far they can go. Uh, probably not very, but let's let's do it. That's my team. I think you're. I mean, if you're going to apply that logic, I think Buffalo is the team. I mean, the most probably the most tortured city right there with the Vikings. Well, that's. NFL, I mean, they are our sister team because they have in the AFC. They're the AFC version of the Vikings. They were and at four Super Bowls and lost them all. And that is technically my team I'm supporting. And if I had thought of that first, I may have gone with that. But now it's open and available for you. It's too late. You already said Cleveland can't take it back. Um, I can't. I know. It's on the record. Um, I think I'm going with the Bills. Like you said, There's it's it's all love with Diggs. You know, everything worked out for both teams. Josh Allen has done something that very few QBs, QBs are able to do in the NFL, which is um, suck and then get much better. And there's such a sh- like a quick hook with quarterbacks in the league that Buffalo really played their hand well. Uh, Buffalo is a pretty good team. I, I don't really want to pick an NFC team for the simple fact of I hate whoever's, all playing, that. I hate them whoever's all. playing whoever's playing the Bears or the Packers. I'm going to immediately root for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think Buffalo is the easy pick. There's no there's no Patriots in this. Um, I, I, I want to root for Buffalo. I want Josh Allen to succeed. I want Stefan Diggs to succeed. I think they've got a really good thing going. Um, and I'm, I, it would be nice. Be, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough hill to overcome, but I, I, I'm rooting for Buffalo. I want Buffalo and anyone who's playing the Packers. Okay. Yeah. Just join us for Buffalo. Come on. Yeah, I'm fine. Let's do it. <laughs> that's my team, dude. Let's let's go through some tables for this team. I'm I'm ready. All right, guys. Uh, let's move on. So we told you guys how we were really excited about the Timberwolves. We really liked their roster. We thought there were about eight guys uh, on the team that could make a difference. And uh, it only took them two weeks into the season for me to lose all hope. Yep, they're terrible. That was so fast. <laughs> There's- I was at a hundred. I'm now at a sixty for excitement level. Oh, they, they're, they're really bad. Um, they are missing pounds, which, you know, any team missing their best player other than maybe like the Lakers or the Clippers or, you know, a couple handful of teams that have a couple star players, um, would, would struggle. And you can see that we're really struggling, but what I'm most concerned about is D'Angelo Russell. Wow. What a Brutal. brutal. He is like, has like a bad attitude. He plays less than no, than zero defense. He's like right. playing a man down on defense. He takes just stupid, selfish shots from the perimeter all the time. He doesn't make anyone around him better. And he just mopes and has pouty comments about Towns being out and how they're facing adversity. And he's like a max player. Yeah. I can't. It's a huge problem. I know we just traded for him when we go into this draft and we have like the fourth pick and it goes to the Warriors and they take the next superstar in one of the best drafts in a long time. It's going to really be salt in the wound. Um, but yeah, this team is, is troubling bad. They're, they're really bad. And it doesn't help that like towns. I, I feel for the guy. I do. I mean, there's a lot bigger things in the world than playing basketball. There is. And losing your mom and many family members to COVID is something that I have never had to deal with. And most of us haven't. And, you know, can't even imagine the pain he must feel. But I can promise you that there aren't stories about successful seasons with teams where the star player is like in a deep, dark, public depression. That is not a recipe for success. And so... I'm not saying that Towns needs to snap out of it or cheer up or like, I'm not saying any of that. No, you're not. But it is not helpful to us as a team or him as a player or us as a franchise when our star player is going through that kind of pain. It's not going to end well for us if if that's how he feels for the whole year. And he has the right to feel that way. But yeah. I'm saying just on the court, in practice, that's not going to make the basketball better either. So, um The one thing I would say is there is some talent on this team. I do believe that. And I do think Rosas has done an okay job of of putting together a smart team. It may have something to do with the fact that we have the most unqualified, lowest paid coach in the league, that um, he's not getting the best out of this talent. I think that a coaching move um, could and should probably happen sooner than later. Yeah, I think that they will – 
I mean, they're going to lose again tonight to the Nuggets. Um, they went into the half or like the fourth quarter tied, and they're already down by 15 after like half the, you know, seven, eight minutes of gameplay. So they're horrible. Um, I think that they'll probably wait for Towns to get back. And if they don't really like pull together a few wins there, that could happen. Um, you know, we didn't, none of us really thought that Saunders was going to be the coach by the end of the year. We all sort of, if you, you know, you said gun to your head, what is the deal? And we all said that he probably won't make it. I think that's, that's okay. I, you know, he can be a part of the organization. I'd like to see him as an assistant here or somewhere else. Um, maybe go in and be like an assistant in college and go up through that game a little bit. He's very young. He's inexperienced. Um, I, I'm not really backing him at this point. Uh, you know, let the team kind of have fun and, and grow on their own has sort of been his mentality and it's not really working. I don't really want, you know, I don't want a guy like, um, Thibodeau either. Like there, there's, I mean, we went literally from one end of the spectrum to the other, and there's a whole swath in the middle that can win you more games than what we're seeing. So, um, yeah, it sucks, but, you know, the game, the season's not over. It's just like when Towns gets back, he's a very good player and he helps, but the team is just in, in rough shape. Like, I just don't see them winning a lot of games or certainly making the playoffs. I got a, I got a pretty good analogy, I think, for for – how this sort of lines up. I think this goes, this is like the Childress to, or like Mike Tice to Leslie Frazier uh, coaching switch where you had one guy that was a, a brow beating a-hole that screamed all the time, but got some results. And so that was ultimately ignored. Um, and then you went to like this player's coach that just sort of let the team do what they wanted. Like you said, Jim, like, uh, they, you know, just learn on your own and just, you know, try and get better every night and, and a lot of slaps on the backs and the butts and like, you know, good job guys, you know, thanks for trying. I think mm-hmm. you need to find like that middle ground a little bit, like somewhere in between or someone who demands, um, effort and hustle. Um, but is also like young enough, like a, like a Brad Stevens type coach. And I know those are, you know, one in a million, but, but somewhere in the middle, I think is, is what we need to find. Um, Saunders is clearly not the answer and he's sort of been like holding the water, unfortunately, um, and is going to take a lot of the heat. But, uh, I think clearly the, the results speak for themselves regardless of who he's had. And I don't think Saunders is quite ready. Mm -hmm. Um, this team needs just a professional guy. Like I would love it if they went out and found like the next cool young coach with all these great ideas, but in reality, I kind of think that they need like a retread guy who's really experienced, who's coached a bunch of teams for the past 20 years, who, you know, is just going to like write the ship and like have them playing like a professional team. Yeah. Night in and night out. You don't need a guy that's like the same age as your oldest veteran. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can go find your Spolstra kind of coach when you're on the verge but like this team needs to like get out of the basement yeah yeah agreed they just are trying to you know have this expensive roster but they're trying to like cut corners on other things and you just it doesn't, that stuff doesn't work so um i, I hate it I've, I've already lost faith they're not a playoff team already and that feels bad because that's how it is and so something's got to change at an organization level um because prolonged uh, losing and pretty much losing for the entirety of your franchise's history um, yeah. comes down to an organizational failure more than anything else. Glenn Taylor. <clears throat> yeah, Glenn. All right. Gotta go. Um, all right. Real quickly, the Wild named their new captain. I believe it's only their second captain in team history or second like permanent captain in team history. Is that right? Wasn't Koivu the captain forever? Yeah, it was... Uh... Who was the the oft injured? Um, I don't know. Gabrick wasn't it Gabrick forever, Garrett and then Koi the captain for a little bit. Okay, or was that like a temporary thing? That I think they, they had like I think they that pretty much they had one guy for most of their time, but obviously they've had other guys here and there um, as their captains. But pretty much, uh, you know, Koivu was the captain for like the past what fifteen years, we'll say at least. I mean, he's been the captain there for as long as we can remember, long enough so that we're having a hard time here. Um, so he's gone, and they had to come down to who's going to be their next captain, and they decided to name Jared Spurgeon as their next 
permanent captain of their team, which Jared Spurgeon, probably one of the most underrated players in the NHL. So it sounds it's like not often the, the smallest guy on your team is the uh, captain. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Cool news. Jared Spurgeon, new captain of the team. It was down to Parisi, Suter, and Spurgeon. And I think you can see their long-term thinking when they didn't pick very, you know, Spur, uh, Suter and Parisi, who are, you know, very capable leaders. They've been the assistant captain since they signed, um, but they instead gave it to the younger um, Jared Spurgeon. So congrats to him. Hopefully mm-hmm. the Wild will give us a good season, but I'm guessing it will be the equivalent of a seven and nine season. Uh, <laughs> quick uh, U of M update. Okay. Go for okay. is back after almost a month off. They're back today. Um, the number one team in the country defeated Arizona state four to one to move to nine and oh, that's fantastic. The, the, the vaunted Arizona state sun devils hockey team. Yeah. So they're playing like a, like a big 10 schedule this year because um, of COVID a lot of their stuff got canceled. Okay, fair instead enough. Instead of it, they moved up and they're playing Big Ten teams. And they're they're like a nice competitive Division One program. Um, they're not going to compete for the title, but they're definitely not a pushover either. So, I mean, they've they've stuck it to some good teams over the last few years, but the Gophers are 3-0 against them, looking for the, the season sweep, uh, moving to 10-0 tomorrow, I believe. Um, and then Gopher basketball. Uh, my message to Gopher basketball fans is – Relax. They had another good week this week. I know that they got beat pretty badly at the Kohl Center to uh, one of the top teams in the country, Wisconsin, but they came back with a really nice win over a top 25 ranked Ohio State team. Here's the deal. Your team is going to lose on the road to Wisconsin in the Big Ten. That just is going to happen. Just like we're going to lose away at other places in the Big Ten as well. The Big Ten is loaded with talent. We have wins over who? Michigan State. Um, Michigan, Iowa. Maryland. Do we beat Michigan? No. Iowa, yep. Maryland, and now Ohio State. All yeah. yep. teams. I, I don't think we played Michigan yet, and then we lost to Illinois and lost to Wisconsin. Yeah, you're going to lose in the Big Ten. Every Big Ten team has lost and will lose. This is an absolute murderer's row of a conference, and we should be really pumped about another really, really good win for the Gopher basketball team. Yeah, it was a, I mean, that, that's an easy loss to Wisconsin to point to and say, well, that's where the season went downhill, right? Uh, Rick Pitino or Richard Pitino has had seasons where all of a sudden we went on a seven game losing streak and that was done. Like the, then the season's over. Yep. Um, and then you, you come back home with a chance to play a pretty good Ohio State team up and coming. They finally got in the top 25, like Eric said. And they put one on them. I mean, I don't. We didn't win by three. We won by seventeen. Like it was a, it, it was a blowout by all college basketball standards. So um, that's a really great like mental bounce back more than a record bounce back. I think for a, a pretty young Gopher team. Yeah, and it's get done by more than one guy. Carr was really carrying the whole load um, the, la- the the first few weeks. And uh, what is his name? Robbins is that his name? I think he's the big yeah. Star. Yeah. Today, so um, it's coming from other guys as well. Uh, I think they had six guys in double figures today, which is really exciting. So lots of good stuff coming out of uh, Dinky Town. Hell so yeah! I'm proud of. Them. All right, guys. Fine. Uh, by the way, by the way, Eric, real quick, the Gopher Hockey bandwagon drove by my house today. I, I still didn't even bother getting on. <laughs> I don't know why. Up. I just, I just have, no, I just have no desire to like. It's kind of cold. I don't want to run out there and get my boots on. That's so. Nobody watches hockey, let alone college hockey. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And once again, I have no idea when they play. I did not know they played today. <laughs> I had no fucking – the bandwagon creeps by my house really quiet, and I do, I miss it. And, you know, the ring doorbell goes off, and I only see the notification later. It's like the ice cream truck. Like, you only hear it after it's gone by your house. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Finally, we'll finish up with another um, week in – the wildest sport currently in the world, uh, the English Premier League, which is just... That's that's all the time we have, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the (laughs) Nordics Podcast. Which is completely hectic. Lots of uh, big games this weekend. The first big one was uh, West Ham uh, taking down Everton on the road. Uh, Battle of two teams fighting for that top four position. Um, They are currently, I believe, 6th and 10th based only on goal difference. They're tied on 26 points. West Ham 
Uh, they have this guy, Sausik, I think is his name. He's a giant defensive midfielder. He keeps pounding in headers late in games to win. Um, probably the biggest story of the weekend, though, is Man United uh, takes down Aston Villa uh, to move even with bitter rival Liverpool at the top of the table. I don't know when they're playing, but I can't even wait. Even in points, excuse me. Even in points. But uh, goal- number, Liverpool hangs on by a thread to number one, although they insist on drawing with bad teams over and over again. So they're going to have to kick that to the curb, and they have a big game tomorrow, and then they can go back up, and then maybe they'll take off from there, and we'll never look back. I think United is kind of the story of the season. Um, they yep. they spent big on young players, guys who can't even really help them yet. Um, Treore and Palestri, they spent over 50 million pounds on the two of them. They've done nothing. They're teenagers. Um, they have spent big in the past, but they didn't spend big this summer other than bringing in a bunch of young teens. Um, their big star teenager, Greenwood, only has one goal on the year, and it just hasn't mattered because they just get timely goals. Marcus Rashford scored a late one in this game. Um, they're solid. You know, they get a penalty every game no matter what happens, and they just play by a different set of rules than every other freaking team. Was Bruno Fernandez the best signing of 2020 for any club? Um, well, he just went to the team that only gets penalties, and he scored seven penalties. I understand, but he still has to score them. So he has he has a large impact on Manchester United, regardless yeah. of how those goals are scored. I mean, you want to take away Mo Salah's penalty goals, you know, the, the, the number is a little bit different. I think, uh, I think Bruno Fernandez, regardless of what you say, like his impact on United – and I hate this. Like, I hate United. But that signing was, like, under the radar, and he's had the biggest impact on a club that looked like it was, like, floundering until the second half of last season um, and then through Project Restart and then through the first part of this season. Like, Bruno Fernandez has been unbelievable. I mean, United has more wins than Liverpool. I know that they're tied on points, but they have 10, and Liverpool has nine. So um, I think Fernandez has been just – unbelievable he's been great and i'm not trying to discredit him he just does score a lot of penalties and i know you still have to put it in but there's no one in the world taking penalties who's making less than 80 percent of them you know or 90 percent. i mean these guys are hammering them in if they don't they don't get the oh there's Jorginho for chelsea but anyway let's not go there um Mm -hmm. all right in other action spurs uh back into the things with uh three zip win over leeds crystal palace continue to push forward to the two zip win over sheffield Wolves and Brighton are both in no man's land. Um, Wolves hoping to, you know, both teams kind of trying to stay above the relegation zone. Um, Arsenal beats just an absolutely horrible West Brom team for nothing. Uh, Leicester City uh, back in the title hunt. They're in third place now with a win over Newcastle. Uh, Tough day and tough stretch here for your team, Ryan, as Man City kind of kicked the door down 3-1 at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea. Yeah, I kid like about, you know, ending it before the Premier League talk. But, you know, I I was happy to talk about Chelsea when we were doing well. So I got to take my lumps here Um, when we're have like the worst run of form we've had in a long time. Um, It's not going well. Things have uh, gone pear shaped. We stopped storing goals and we let in a lot more than we normally have. But um, I, I really don't know what to say. It's it's such a weird season. To, to think that we played so poorly in December and we're still only seven points out of first place, which is, I, I know that's a, that's a long way to go in this season and we haven't beat anybody of note, but to still be within, let's say within three points of top four, we're still okay. Like in terms of that, but the way things have been trending for Chelsea are very scary. Um, it's the first post-match interview where you could tell Frank, um, our manager, was visibly upset. Like, uh, not in an angry way because the guys didn't perform, but, like, visibly upset because of how bad it's going for the club currently and the fact that he's now – his hot seat has been turned up to 8 out of 10, and it's been unpleasant. I think that when you think about it, there you know, the glass – I'll give you the glass half full and the glass half empty. The glass half full is exactly what you said. You're three points behind City and Spurs. You're seven points out of first place. You're you're a three-game stretch away from being in the top four, and that feels great. 
and you're right there and you've, you've shown that you have that form. The glass half empty is you did spend a lot of money and you're tied with Everton, Aston Villa, Southampton, and West Ham. Not exactly the company that you were planning on keeping going into the season. So yeah, that's a that's a very accurate representation. I mean, you're you know the league is is absolutely wide open this year. And mm-hmm. believe me, I I think Liverpool is is the cream of the crop. But I think that United, Leicester, Spurs, and City are all uh, currently there to give them a, a serious race, which is going to be fun for all fans. And, you know, for having one of the worst starts in the history of Arsenal, it just takes a couple of games in a row. They won three straight games, and now they're three points out of sixth place. You know, like yeah. you can get right back in it pretty quickly. So I guess it's I'll been like- crazy. The year is is very, very different. I mean, with how much is left and how crazy it's been and how Liverpool has shown that they are maybe they're at the top right now or tied, you know, they're right there. But they're not perfect. They're making mistakes. They're they're not at, you know, 70 points already or something crazy. They could drop a couple more and they could be fighting, you know, Chelsea could jump up ahead into second place and Liverpool's at four. Would that surprise me? Not at all. Nothing is going to surprise me this year, which is fun. It's kind of nerve-wracking because I thought it might be able to kind of run it back from last year, but that is not happening. Well, if you look at the uh, the the one the one stat that I look at is the win column, and I know draws matter obviously because you get a point, but if you look at the wins, twelfth place Leeds United has seven wins, and first place Liverpool has nine. Right. So the twelfth place team has two less wins than Liverpool, and the whole the whole league is going to be on its head by the end of the year. Yep. I mean, I feel like there there might be one or two teams that might start slowly distancing themselves a little bit, and I don't know which one of, you know, one through five is going to do that. Uh, or actually, one through six, because Everton is is right there, too. Um, and so so if I'm if I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective and not from a, a, a Chelsea uh, lens, this is insane. I mean, I haven't seen anything like this in a very long time. Like, this is going to be a wild wild finish to the season unless Liverpool, you know, or, or United or somebody rips off like 10 wins in a row and kind of takes off with it. But the way things are going right now, I don't think that's going to happen. That doesn't seem like that's going to be what goes on this season. It's interesting now too, we're in the January transfer window. So teams officially can make transfers, selling players, buying players. One thing I would say to look for is, Teams, the rosters are super bloated on these Premier League teams right now. They have way too many guys. They can only register 25 of them. So your team, my team, everyone's team right now, especially all the big rich teams, they have way too many guys. And so you're going to see a bunch of guys go on loan. You're going to hopefully see some sales happen that would have happened in previous years had had there not been COVID. Um, So there's going to be a lot more outcomings than incomings. But I would assume a team like Liverpool, who – has a lot of money in their war chest from not spending when they've had it is probably going to add one big piece on defense um, because they are obviously down a couple of big players there. Um, It'll be interesting to see who else comes in and out here, Uh, but it's the best part. I I don't know if there's a better league than the Premier League. I mean, I love the NFL and I can't wait to watch the NFL playoffs, but the Premier League is just so electric. And on a year like this, where it seems like anyone could beat anyone, um, it's just... Like I said, I mean, Arsenal's in 11th place. If I had to categorize the year, I would say it's been a massive disappointment. And I've been very upset with the direction of the year. But in the span of two weeks, they've won three games. They scored more game goals in three games than they did in their previous 10. And they are playing a bunch of teenagers, and it looks fun at least. And it's just... With two clean sheets in there too. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's nice to see that the teams are close enough that they can move around and get into contention with playing some good soccer. So not and not only that, Arsenal is also missing like two of their best five players and they're going to get them back pretty soon too. And so like the ship could get righted very quickly. Good. So it's fun. It's been a great year so far. Um, I think some of the cool stories of the year, obviously Liverpool, um, you know, coming off of a title and the year before that winning the champions league, they're down, they're a little weak. Um, there are some rumblings of some ins and outs at Liverpool. Two big ones for you, Jim. Uh, Ooh, Mo Salah. I don't, have, I don't have Liverpool Twitter. I don't even know what that looks like. So you got to tell me this. Mo Salah, 
rumored, um, probably not until the summer, to go to Real Madrid. Who? Mo Salah. Oh, why? Because he took that interview that he hadn't scheduled or something? No, I just I think that he's thinking I accomplished what I can here. Let me go get a big payday at Real Madrid. Okay. <laughs> and that would be a good timing to get rid of him. So yeah. I think that might work for all parties involved. A big, massive, expensive deal that allows Liverpool another little mini rebuild while still remaining really good. But here's the yeah. big rumor. Just on the fringes here is mm-hmm. that, is that uh, Jurgen Klopp might be on his way out after no. after next season is, is kind of the rumor. Where? Um, uh, Back to, to Germany? The German national team is the rumor right now. Is that? Oh, that's a step down. It might be, but it also might just be an easy, easier way to end his career. He end his career. He's like, is he even fifty five? Yeah, I'm sure. He, I saw something that he coaches everywhere for six years or something, and so he's been at Liverpool for three. I think four three years, and then four. and then yeah. be five or something, and then next year would be six. So. I think that's the rumor. Right. Well, that would really hurt. That would really hurt. I mean, Mo Salah, we can find that production elsewhere. The you know, Jurgen is a is a big deal to me. So. I'm not saying that's even close to a done deal. I'm just saying right. German, German Twitter, German news, German <laughs> soccer banter <laughs> is is claiming that he is at least in consideration and might consider taking that job. So yeah. There you guys go. Um, other than that, I think the other cool story is uh, Jack Grealish is, has been just unbelievable. Um, by most accounts, he's been the best player of the year. Uh, and Aston Villa went from saving themselves from relegation in the final. By one point in the last 30 seconds of the match. Saved themselves at the very end of the year. And now Jack Grealish uh, has five goals and seven assists. He's got the highest player ranking um, or rating uh, according to a couple different sites. He is probably the favorite right now with uh, maybe Kane and Son uh, and maybe Fernandez um, as players of the year. He's got Villa hanging in there. I mean, they're even on points with Chelsea. They're even on points they're right outside the top four, which is super exciting. So that's a great story. And then again, um, Leicester. I mean, again, they're right in the mix. They're one point behind United and Liverpool. They've got a ton of star power. They won a title in the last few years. They look like they're here to stay, and they're just one of the best-run teams in the world. So some really cool stories, some real fun teams that are kind of making their way into the top part of the league. And I think that is – even when they're ahead of my team, it's still great for sports when those kind of things happen. So excited to see some of these surprises in a year full of surprises. Crazy. All right, guys. That is uh, all the time we have this week on the Nord East podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, go back, listen to our Nordy awards from last week. Let us know what you thought of those if you haven't listened yet. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back with another episode, a screencast, breaking down all kinds of things, playing our new game, Castaway. We're not going to tell you what it is yet, but it's going to be a freaking good one. So tune into that episode. It's going to be full of news and everything you need to know around the water cooler, on your Zoom meetings, however you're talking to your friends during this pandemic. So stay, stay safe. Help spread the word in the new year about the Nordies podcast. And we'll be, we'll be back with you guys later this week.